female too. So. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good one. Enjoy it. Later. Later. Bye. Morning. Where are y'all? So we were just uh, talking about the Dwayne Brown trade and how uh, that was it handled well, was it not handled well, and how it altered the course of Texans his, history from that point forward. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those trades that just kind of slides under the radar because it wasn't as bad as like the other ones. You know, we got like after like a second round draft pick, a third round draft pick. Of course, they didn't amount to anything, but it was like okay, you know, we can't come to an agreement with the best player exposition. And you saw that become a theme, you know, down the line, like over and over again. So it definitely casts a shadow on everything else that's occurred over the last 48 months. Yeah, I was saying that, like, before you guys hopped on, like, I think you could generically make an argument that 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 getting something for a left tackle that at that age, you know, again, in the abstract, isn't a bad idea, isn't like, and I don't, second rounders are usually, you know, if Bill Belichick drafts a second rounder, that second rounder is going to be an all pro and he's going to be hoisting a trophy over his head. Right. Granted we shouldn't compare anything to the Patriots for any of reasons, but you know, if you just divorce the, the context of that particular situation from it, you know, like that to me, yeah, it's like, I was just to give another example. It's like, we, you know, the, the idea that, that uh, um, what's his name just got extended, um, you know, like David Johnson. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. Sorry not, you know, like, if that had happened, like if that was the like the only thing that had happened, we'd be like, God damn it, man! Why did they do that? That's terrible. And now it's just like, yeah, well, duh, you know, like like that's how <laughs> it's another base, you another know, like, the wall. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's not even like a a, a big or important brick in the wall because the yeah, main it's... part of the wall is huge, huge chunks of crap, you know, like and so flicking matches at a burning house, you know. Yeah, right. You know, like so so, I mean. Like to me, like you just said, Ken, like like that, like it doesn't even register anymore as particularly egregious. Which is again, like I said, it's in in some version of it, it's defensible if you take out the, the context of who Dwayne Brown was and all that. And, and and I get that. And and again, if it had been if they had done well with those draft picks, then we would be saying, well, that was crappy that they got rid of Dwayne Brown. But at least they did something with those draft picks. But those two are also kind of intimately related, right? These it's a group of people who are think they're too clever by half when they're like too dumb by three quarters, you know, like they think, well, we can't have him making these comments and having the inmates run the assignment, the asylum, oh, blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll get rid of them and then we'll draft some, someone better, blah, blah, blah. And okay, we'll do that. And then we'll suck even harder. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean like uh, second rounders are, are fantastic because second rounders, I think are, you know, they're more of a value proposition, right? You maybe can get a few more of them and, and spend a little bit less, but they're, you know, if you kind of make a, a kind of a, a cost versus, you know, value or cost versus a quality equation, they're kind of in a good sweet spot in that regard if you can draft well. And that's the problem, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the real issue is like if you can capitalize on that talent you're getting rid of with good talent coming in, then sure, it's still leaving aside for a moment the, the conversation over Black Lives Matter and, and, and civil rights and all that, which is an important conversation to have. But again, if you take it, then you could at least say, well, we got something for it. I don't agree with, you know, Bob's position or whatever, but that's not the world we live in. <laughs> you yeah. know, we get the worst of both, right? We get the, the tyrannical kind of, you know, crappy, uh, you know, attitude that's present in, in, in the ownership group at the time and also a crappy football team. And, it, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. It's almost like if you, you know, like when I first joined Battle Red, the big argument was, you know, is is Kubiak nearing the end of his days? Is Rick Smith a horrible general manager? And those were like the two big elephant in the room arguments. It was oh, nice. It was quiet. I would, I would love to rewind oh. to that. <laughs> that would be like paradise to what we have these days. Yeah. And it almost seems like as soon as those two guys left, like 
anybody who knew how to run a football team gets shouted down or went out the door. We you know? do not respect Rick Smith. Uh, no. Just and, level head guy. You know, the, we forgot the, the calm in the storm is nice because the, mm-hmm. the, the calm, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was like in high, like I think middle school, high school, I stepped out um, during Ike, looked up and was like, oh, like, like you could see the sun. So maybe it was nice to be in the center for a little bit. And then now it's passed through. Um, I think that the main concern for me is that there does not seem to be a direction. Like, you know, that's actually what my entire article about, like uh, the Texans being in the Bermuda Triangle. It's like they, they are directionless. You know, we don't know where we were because we don't know what we could have done. Like that was, um, you know, during that those playoff years, which now we have to look at as past tense. We were the golden so age. close, but so far, exactly. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, we've had to tear down, but we've also been trying to tear up at the same time. And there has to be a natural revolution to the team, but there wasn't a direction for us to be going because there wasn't anyone manning the cap. There was no captain of the ship. Yeah, it was just like, you know, Deshaun's end of season speech where he talked about there's too many people that think they're in control and too many people pulling the team in different directions. It's... No wonder. Well, yeah, it's no wonder. Um, yeah. Did we just lose? Um, or is, is he rolling out? Uh, might have dropped. Might have dropped. All good. Yeah. Well, you know, there's only so much of this you can take. <laughs> there's only, yeah, there's only. <laughs> um, I bought this, of course, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson jersey about um, a, mo- a month or two ago before yeah. all this happened. And I got mm. it for like Christmas, Hanukkah season. And it just went away. So yes, yeah. it's, it's I'm going to keep this no matter what happens, just because like it'll be a memorable thing to cry about in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I broke down and bought a official clowny jersey about six months before they got rid of him, thinking, <sighs> "Hey, this guy's the number one draft pick. He's going to be here forever. You know, he's got some issues, but they'll be able to keep him on the team. You know, he's clicking and- really well with JJ, and then he's gone." That's one of honestly my favorite things is that there was a point you know where we had everyone on we had every first rounder from uh, Dwayne Brown to DeAndre Hopkins on the team and they kept their core guys and we were complaining that oh no like we'd only we were only good at drafting first rounders like we couldn't draft anyone else and then we don't have any first rounders to draft so yeah. like, well if well, we're now only, we can't even do that you know yeah. Titus Howard would you rather have Titus Howard or would you rather have you know, DeAndre Hopkins or Jadavian Clowney or Mario Williams or Yeah. I mean there's know. also a thousand better offensive linemen that they could have drafted that draft. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Titus Howard, that was one of those drafts where it was everyone thought, Oh, I, I can't remember some of the names because it's been a couple of years, but you know, we had like Tristan Worris was lined up and then he fell. And you know, they I think he was actually the only one guy that didn't fall. Everyone else was falling. People like I was in love with and yeah. like, you know, I think Titus Howard is going to be a good athlete if he stops getting injured. I think the main issue with him is uh, his 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 foot his feet coordination has a ceiling and he's probably there. You know, he's not well, going to get any more coordinated. If Mike Devlin's the guy teaching you, your ceiling's a lot lower than it probably really is. Too. Correct. Oh, God, you know? he really stunk. Like he's oh, not yeah. good. it was, you know, like going back to the Kubiak. Kubiak brings in this great offensive line system, the zone blocking schemes, all those things. And we have really good offensive line play, 
bulls on parade, all that stuff. And then Kubiak goes out the door and it was like, people forgot somebody needed to pay attention to the offensive line. Yeah. They thought the offensive line was going to be stable and it just fell one yeah. piece of another and, you know, losing Brandon Brooks and Derek Newton really yeah. quickly. It's not helpful. Yeah. Um, you go, go back through the ages. Most Super Bowl teams have really solid offensive lines. Oh, of course. You know, uh, you know, other than, you know, the aberration that was the Denver Broncos, it's, <laughs> almost always full of pro bowlers. And when was the last time the Texans had multiple pro bowlers on the offensive line? Uh, I mean, either 2011, 2012, it's the only even options. Yeah. So you go a decade with nobody besides Laramie Tunzel as your pro bowl representation on your offensive line. You know, if I was Deshaun Watson, I'd be like, I don't need any more punctured lungs. Let me out of here. I I mean, what that's one of the, yeah, that's an interesting thing because, Everyone is in love with Sean Watson. Like, every, but they they want him to like. I want him to lead. Like, I want him to be successful. Like, is that wrong? No, no. It's he's crazy. a good he's a good guy. Oh, I mean, great guy. Yeah. when we met him, you saw it. You could see it in his eyes. You could hear it in his demeanor. The way he interacted with the kids. The way he talked to the kids. The guy is sincere. He's got a great heart. He deserves success. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know. Yeah, and really, and in like the, the pantheon of pro football, it's like watching Dan Marino. You know, Dan Marino was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and he never got there because his team stunk. His team stunk. Yeah. Now you've got Deshaun Watson, who's one of the potentially greatest ever, and his team stinks. So you know, the greater good of the football gods would of love course. to see Deshaun on a team that could get somewhere. I'm I'm worried that the Texans. I'll, I'll I'll phrase this more of a question. Based off of the last 48 months of trades, what is a reasonable haul for the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson? For Deshaun Watson, for me, I think they need to get somebody else who is bare minimum starter quality quarterback, plus another good young player and some combination three to four first and second round draft picks three to four see i think they're going to cap out at a quarterback like a um an unproven like tua or mm-hmm. uh i almost said matt barkley um almost said mark sanchez who is the the jets quarterback right now i'm blanking it's, it's 6 a.m a little too early oh yeah well it doesn't matter he, sam darnold sam darnold yeah, there you go. had yeah. to fish that one out of the the noggin so someone around that level plus a first and second round and then like a mid like we'll have to get like a fourth because you know you have there's like a good Samaritan thing that, that Cal Cal or yeah Cal McNair likes to do for no reason. Yeah. Um I will say a better question is do you feel confident that the organization is going to it isn't getting bulldozed? I don't at all. Um I wrote that piece the other day about uh you know, the, the current efforts of Nick Casario not really impressing anybody. Um, yeah, he's making cap space, and the arguments against my piece were, you know, the guy just got here, give him a break, he's making cap room, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, let's compare him. Let's go back to Rick Smith. Rick Smith is a guy that caught a ton of flack that everybody said wasn't the greatest general manager, and in, people cheered when he left. Rick Smith traded away TJ Yates for a, what was it, a sixth or seventh round draft yeah. pick? waited two weeks for the other team to cut him and re-signed him. Yeah. You know, he was the master at trading away waiver wire guys and getting draft picks. So here you've got Nick Martin, who will most likely end up starting for some, you know, Detroit Lions-esque team out there. Oh, yeah. He's a starter. you could have got at least a seventh-round draft pick for him, you know. And then you turn around and you double down on David Johnson. 
you know, it's, uh, come on, man. Let, you know, you're, you know, you're, you were uh, Bill Belichick's disciple. Let's see some magic here. Let's yeah. see you pull off something that makes Rick Smith smile, you know? And so far we haven't seen anything like it. We've seen no. clear cap space, which, you know, anybody with a calculator could have done. But it's not like we've even cleared that. I mean, one of the one of my most concerning pieces is not that the players don't want to be here or players don't want to come here. We can't bring anyone here. Like we don't have cap space, and we are going to be tied down to five contracts that are going to take over thirty five percent of our salary for the next two years. Yeah, we can't move Larry Tunsil. It's going to be it'll be fifteen million dollars of dead cap if we move Whitney Merciless. Um, let me. There are. I love spot track. Uh, yeah. Let me pull them up. But yeah, I just remember seeing several contracts that just are hideous. Um, you know, if we do do keep Deshaun Watson, like that's a big contract. Yeah. And like, what's the point of having that? You know. Well, and if they if trade him away, it's what a twenty-one point six hit if they trade him away. Yeah. So it'd be oh. all of his pre pre camp dollars. Yeah, and so I, you know, you look at again, you know, the way Rick Smith got rid of um, name redacted. You know, he, he packaged up a deal. He got rid of him. He got rid of his contract, got him off the books, got everything. You know, that was that was a good way to cut bait and get out. You know, a, a really smart general manager could do the same with Deshaun right now and come out of it looking like roses. I have no confidence that Casario is going to do that. I agree with a lot of people's assessment that he's going to wait until it's too late, just like they did with Clowney, because Jack Easterby still whispering in his ear, you know, and Jack Easterby has no business running a business. Yeah, so, I mean, know. what do you? I, I can't believe he's still like after uh, everything. Yeah. He's still there. Like I, even if I was Jack Easterby, I would want to separate myself from the team. Like I oh, know yeah. you're probably competitive, and you want to be like, oh, I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna prove everyone wrong. But like, there comes a point where like you become roasted in your own city. Like imagine him. I wonder if he goes to like, the Houston Rockets. Like he goes to the club. Like, what is he gonna do? Like, he's gonna get scaled. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, the flip side of it is if, if he really is the guy with the big heart that he has and the big character and all that, he would bow out just because he sees the damage he's causing. Oh, yeah. You know? He could bow out. He's probably been paid millions of dollars. He could go live on the beach somewhere and suck margaritas or whatever he wants to do or go, you know, run some, you know, charitable organization somewhere, or even go snuggle up to a hockey team or a baseball team or whatever, somewhere where he's, his name isn't what it is. But, yeah, I mean, there's a thousand ways to be in sports without being for the yeah. thing NFL, like yeah. not, I still can't believe it. And it's turning away fans. Like I, I was trying to bring some people on that were former uh, season ticket holders mm-hmm. who had given them their tickets. Uh, they had had their tickets since the inaugural season. So they are ride or die. Grew up as Cowboy fans, but interesting enough, you know, of course they fall in love with the Texans and you know, get behind the local team. But I, I don't know what to tell you. If we can't keep the talent and they don't see a future, I wonder how many people sold their PSLs. Yeah. They'll never tell. <clears throat> that would be information that would never be able to leak. Yeah. And it's, you know, somebody pointed out the other day, the only way that you're going to really get Cal McNair's attention and more, more importantly, Janice McNair's attention is to have empty seats. I think so. You know? And you're, you're always going to have those, you know, corporate 
entities that buy up a pile of seats so they can give them out like candy as perks. And they don't care whether the team's winning or losing. It's the spectacle of an NFL team. Um, They don't care if they're hot garbage or not. But, you know, we, we lived in Arizona when, you know, Bill Bidwell was still running the Cardinals and running them into the ground and they were having a hard time and Michael Bidwell came along and everything changed. And all of a sudden they were selling out the stadiums and they leveraged that to get a new stadium and all those kinds of things. Um, So there has to be a point, you know, I know the collective bargaining agreement is different now than it was 15, 20 years ago. Right. It's all sharing. Yeah. But there has to be a break even point where the NFL is like, Hey, you're not holding your weight. You know, Yeah. how long before Jerry Jones is like, you know, I'm tired of carrying you. It'll be interesting. I I mean, nothing matters until they, they step on the field. Yeah. And it also nothing matters when one, you know, the most capacity you can put in the stadium is 25%. So you can't see the stadium. Like we're only going to see the stadium at 25 capacity before or after COVID potentially. Yeah. Um, you know, I could not imagine. I'm interested to see capacity. If they can fill the stadium to capacity day one, week one, ooh, I want to see how many people there. Yeah. That would be te- that would be terrifying. That'd be uh, crazy. I don't think so, they get past 20. No. So we'll take a second. We'll we'll plug our uh, sponsors yes. here. I don't really call them sponsors, I guess, but we're doing this to we're raise sponsors. money for the Cancer Research Institute, the Deshaun Watson Foundation, and the J.J. Watt Foundation. If you have it in your heart and your wallet to donate to one of them, please do so. Uh, they do great work. All three of those organizations do wonders. And, uh, you know, maybe if uh, Nick Casario was really a good guy, he'd hand over his paycheck because he's certainly not earning it. Yeah, I think Jack Easterby, for how devout of a person he is, he needs to be the first in line in this podcast to be giving over money because he owes it to the city and he owes it to himself to donate because yes. he has only taken away from the Texans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So what's next? Anybody in the comments have anything they want to hear about or want us to chat about? So what I was thinking, if we don't have any comments, um, is that we do a live draft of a, basically get a twenty all twenty two of your top eleven on offense, top eleven on defense, purely based off the draft of, of past NFL of past Houston Texans players. And I can send a link uh, of like the Houston Texans draft history. And we would just go, we could either snake it, which could be fun, um, or just go back and forth. Which get a, yeah. um, all era, full, full Texans draft history. Well, absolutely, obviously, the very first number one has got to be Deshaun Watson. The number two has got to be J.J. Watt. See, that, that's, the question is, well, if you take – Backup quarterback. I'm kind of ruined. Hmm, do I not have any paper left? There we go. Let me pull the text in the draft history. It's the best place on Wikipedia. Oh, pro football reference. Oh, somebody, somebody asked about the Justin Britt signing. What do you think of that before we get into the draft part? I didn't, I didn't know he was in the league. <laughs> he wasn't last year. Like, to me, he's, he's the Matt Khalil of centers for this year. So. Like, What is he going to do? I, I don't know. You know, I, I heard Alex Mack was going to be available. That that would make me a little bit happier. Justin Britt, I you know, he didn't play last year. 
So, and he, if I remember correctly, he went down with an ACL tear the year before. So, how has he recovered from that? What's he going to look like? You know, the the Texans' offense isn't the same as the Seahawks' offense. No, not at all. And mm-hmm. you know, he's he's a much worse addition to the offense. Uh, man, five million. Yeah, the, it's really not a a salvageable move. Uh, you know, we also did not have an offensive line, uh, a center on the roster, except some person I couldn't even name. Um, if you think Zach Fulton can go can go play center, you need to go rethink your entire knowledge of football because that guy cannot move, and he, he's famous for ducking his head, which is yeah. the last thing a center needs to do. So, I mean, it, it, it's a ploy, it's a cover up. They paid him five million dollars. He's not. He's maybe worth two. Yeah, well, Houston Houdini pointed out in the comments, it is a. I think it's a three point five million dollar with escalators up to five escalators. Yeah, yeah, which he'll probably never see because I'm sure one of those is make it to the Super Bowl and another yeah. is make it to the Pro Bowl. So you get to you have to play a 17th game. Oh wait, and I, there are 17 games in the season. Yeah, yeah. it's un, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, yeah, and you have to keep from stepping on Zach Fulton's feet and keep, uh, you know, Max Sharping from stepping on yours and. Everybody's stepping on AJ McCarron's because he's probably going to be under center. Yeah, I will. I am so interested if he's going to be under center. Um, they show. Do they need to show they can sign a free agent? Any free agent? No, I think they they looked at the the draft and were like, "Wow, we have so many other issues that there's no point of you know waiting in the third round to draft." Because if we're going to draft a center with our third round pick. Well, that, that's just not going to – we're going to have so many other issues. So I think they need to find an immediate solution. Um, well, you'd have to think that they had this in the works before they let go of Nick most Martin. Most likely. That's I mean, not a bad concept. Yeah. You would think, but, again, this is the Texans that, you know, hey, let's pay Jadavian Clowney to go play for somebody else. Well, yeah, I, I could see Nick Martin being pretty frustrated with the the inner workings of the organization just seeing how far it falls. And they're just trying to sweep out the old garbage, um, you know, take out anyone that was loyal to the p- past regime. And usually you, the center is going to be very system oriented. Yeah. And if Nick Martin isn't close to being with the the center, then there's no point of keeping him around. You know, you have yeah. to turn over a new leaf. You have to bring in people that are loyal to the new group. And starting at the center is kind of a metaphorical way to do it. So the crazy thing, you know, to touch on what you just said is – you know, isn't the new regime still loyal to the old regime? I mean, isn't Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby and Nick Casario, aren't they like a little click? And, well, of course, of course. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, they, Bill Belichick makes a phone call and Bill O'Brien gets hired by Nick Saban, who's probably the only one that would give him a job. And, you, you know, know I mean, he, who, who else better to replace Lane Kiffin than Bill O'Brien? I mean, you know, all those Japanese warlords, you know, they, they grew up together. You know, they went to all yeah. the same education schools and they knew that they, you know, 15 years down the line, they're going to be fighting for, you know, their uncle's honor. And yeah. then, so they're all related. They all know that they're a part of the same, same tree, you know. Exactly. So it's like, you, know, you, can't, you can't have somebody come in and be like, oh, well, you're a Kubiak guy and I'm Bill O'Brien. You got to go. It's I'm Bill O'Brien and you're a Bill O'Brien guy, but you're also a Jack Easterby guy and a Nick Casario guy by default. So. You know, and then then you're okay. Well, maybe you're a JJ Watt guy, and JJ Watt says his place is going down in flames, but he's not stupid enough to say that publicly. <laughs> oh, he said everything he needed to say. No, yeah. that's uh, you know, if you're a player, you have 
you have five years. You have three years to capitalize on your entire life working. Yeah. If you're Cal McNair, you grew up with this. You you knew as a fifth as a fifth grader, you know, chewing on like lollipops. You knew that you were going to be the franchise owner one day. So wait a minute, are you sure he was doing lollipops and not the ABC gum stuck up on? No, his he was chewing lollipops. He was, yeah. he was the type or, of kid that like would get the candy stuck in his teeth in the fifth grade, and he like his, he had to go to the nurse to get it like sawed off because it would just get stuck. He reminds me of uh, uh, Ralph Wiggum's on, you know, Simpsons. That's what I think of when I think of Cal as a kid, you know. <laughs> what, a, what a dumb kid. Uh, Travis Bickle has asked, who would win in a fight between Jackie's Tribune and Joel Osteen? It would, it would depend on who, who prayed for the other soul harder. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know that either one of them could actually fight, so... Who would win in a rap off? That that'd be kind of like you know who could win a drag race, this stump or this log. I, you know, <laughs> <I just> don't... <laughs> you know uh, I I would love to see them. Have you seen those videos where they uh they you know they slap each other like, like the professional slapping? Mm -hmm. uh, I would pay more for to watch that than to pay for a season ticket. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So who do you think is the next free agent that they bring in? It, I don't know. Um, I think they need to go defensive line. Um, I think they need to go defensive line, defense like throughout the entire process. Um, I, I'm worried that the veteran defensive line market is not is, is very top heavy. There's only two or three guys who are going to make forty five to seventy five million dollars, and then there'll be just scraps left. Um, unfortunately, I have not been watching the free agency draft process as much, uh, mainly due to not knowing who's going to be on the team, so who's going to be needed. Uh, let me pull up some free agents in the NFL. Here, I pulled up uh, Pro Football oh, Focus's uh, top, top free agents. Number is one, the Dak Prescott. He's clearly never coming here. Number two is wide receiver Chris, Chris Godwin. I think he would uh, – We couldn't pay Godwin. And, uh, yeah. the, the, con the commentary out of – you know, Tampa about Godwin staying, you know, Penn being a part of the team and taking less money. He ain't going to take less money. They are, they're going to pay his ass. You know, they'll, they'll restructure, um, especially yeah. if we get another Super Bowl. Tom, you know, of course you're going to say to the press that you want to, um, you know, you're willing to take less money. That makes you sound so nice, but it also gives you that leverage that if you can't sign, you know, it was on Tampa for not being able to put up a, a, a proper amount of money. So yeah. it's a good tactic. So scrolling through, the first one that really jumps out to me as somebody the Texans could go after is uh, Minnesota Vikings safety Anthony Harris. I've loved Anthony Harris since him the day and I was Justin born. Reed would make a great combination. I think, uh, I mean, clearly having two solid safeties isn't going to do a whole awful lot for the rest of the defense. No, um, but but you know, digging through there, he's the first guy that jumps out as somebody they should take a look at. Yeah, I mean, Bud Dupree's going to be too expensive. Um, yeah, let me see. Brandon. I love Matthew Judon. I mean, Matthew Judon can yeah. play all over the field. Um, he can be a, a, a kind of like a box to box or tackle to tackle, do, uh, edge defensive lineman. Um, he can also stand up. Uh, he's. I'm interested to see if he's a system player, but he, you know he's just a pure athlete. I, in my opinion, I would not be worried about bringing him on the team and having him transition. Yeah, something else to stop and think about is uh, you know. Are they going to target younger players because they can get them cheaper? 
or are they going to target older players because you need older players who at one point in the past played in a Lovey Smith system? We have no idea. You know? Lovey Smith will definitely bring in his guys. You know, that, he's been around the leagues for so long. And I think that's actually what's up. You know, Lovey Smith is someone who lost in this entire thing. But that's a great hire. Uh, you know, in general, Lovey Smith will bring a veteran presence to the locker room. The problem is, is that you, that would be really well paired if we brought like a young, dynamic offensive you know, mind into the as the head coach. So you have the defensive veteran with the Wiley head coach, and they can play off of each other. We yeah. don't have that. We got like the AARP home, which is not what we should have done. Yeah, and, and where does Romeo Cornell fit into all this? I mean, I haven't heard anything about I, him. He's still a card-carrying member of the Houston Texans. Um, yeah, you know, he's so just he, getting his pension funded. He, he must fit Jack Easterby's culture somehow, some way. Some so, way. Yeah. You know, I, I really think that Cal and Jack just are going to rely on someone who they know has more knowledge than them. And to his, could, because they're so afraid of continuing to screw up, they're just going to bring someone who can run the ship for them. Well, that would be the smart thing to do, but I think really what Easterby's doing is he's just going to bring in people that that make him look good and don't rock mm -hmm. the boat. You know, oh, we can't have you know uh, an Arian Foster guy like that because he'll run his mouth. You know, we got to get rid of Kenny Stills because he's a political activist. We, you know, it's <sighs> you know, it's trash. Yeah, yeah, Travis Bickle. Oh. There, culture fits. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that and a dollar won't get you a soda anymore. So. It's it's just terrible. It's so anyway. Back to the free agent line. William Jackson, the third cornerback out of the Bengals. He's somebody I wrote about a while ago. I think he mm -hmm. actually could do pretty well. Partner him with uh, Bradley Roby, and I think it would be an immediate upgrade. Um, really, at the end of the day, anything besides Vernon Hargreaves is an immediate upgrade. Yeah, Vernon Hargreaves has definitely spent it. Has done his round in Houston. He needs to go. Um, yeah. That guy gets burnt so quickly. He's really bad. In my, I love the film, and that, that's kind of like where I've I've made all my bread. Is he's really bad at once he gets his hip turns and he's working up field, he loses he loses trajectory in comparison of keeping a proper space with the the wide receiver, but also being able to, to keep an eye on where the quarterback is, and he just loses that. Uh, yeah. You know, he he gets he gets put in the wide receiver's pocket too often, and it's embarrassing. And I'm tired of it. Yeah. Um, Oh God, I think everything stems back to AJ Boyer if we're going to talk corners. Uh, yeah, I would love to see that, but knowing Boyer, he's he's not touching this team with a 10-foot pole. No, not at all. No. Um, he's also been living in the free agency. Um, yeah. So a guy from the defensive line that I've enjoyed watching is Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, he plays for the New York Giants, and you know, of course he's playing right next to um, Leonard Williams, and that makes anyone look a lot better. However, he does a really good job of playing the transition game between both um, pass rush and, and pass run, or run, run D. Uh, really good right hands, has a high motor. I think someone that can fit across it, the defensive line. And since we don't really know if we're going to enter in this 3-4, 4-3 defense, I don't think that has been decided yet. Um, it allows us to have, bring in a player who can just kind of like plug and play. Um, he'll yeah. be pretty complimentary to the, the guys we already have. Uh, I, you know, Omenis is also a, a guy who can play anywhere. So having a bunch of them really works. Uh, and then having Ross Blackhawk kind of like hold down the middle is what I'm expecting to be the defense next year. A bunch of yeah. versatility that Ross Blackhawk right in the middle. I feel like, uh, you know, not to say anything bad about the deceased rest his soul, but I feel like Blacklock's the next Lewis Nix. Um, he's, oh, he's not already you know, better than Lewis Nix. 
Lewis yeah. his first two seasons, you know, he was supposed to be the prodigy. Uh, yeah. He was supposed to be the guy that Vince Wilfork brought up. And then no, it wasn't him. <laughs> it was actually TJ Reader. Yeah. And I think the Texans, they need somebody who's just uh, the immovable object to anchor in the middle of that line. Yeah. And to force people to have to go out towards Omni who and the rest of them. Exactly. You know, um, hopefully Jonathan Grenard can step up a little bit. Uh, yeah. You, you were so high on Jonathan Grenard. Um, yeah, I was a little higher on John Reed. Um, I yeah. thought his, his play style really fit the Texans. He's a scrappy corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I, Grenard, still, I think he still could. Cause you know, no. you look back through Texans history, AJ Boye wasn't all that the first year or two. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, corners take the, their first years are always yeah. rough, especially yeah. for a Houston. Andre Hall started out as a corner and, and backed mm-hmm. into safety, and then he really lit the world on fire. And, yeah, and Kareem Jackson, mm-hmm. look at him, his first three years. So the Texans were hideous. Yeah. Um, you know, being a corner and being a tight end take a while because the speed is big, this is, is more. Oh, yeah. You know, the people are bigger. There's a lot more you have to do. Um, you know, corners in the in college really have to watch out for like two or three things. Uh, you know, when you there's a whole different game lining up against Julio Jones. Oh yeah, and then you know the college passing tree playbook is like that thick, and then the NFL one's like that. So yeah, you have to deal yeah. with it. Um, so I the the whole conversation around free agency is difficult because I feel like it would depend on usually free agency occurs they get as much help they they can, and then they base off the draft. The problem is, is that we still have to base everything off the draft because if we have more draft picks because of Deshaun Watson, it's going to affect how we, have, we should approach free agency. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think they have the luxury of waiting that long. No, you know? it's time. Go ahead. Do you think that they'll bring in a wide receiver because they're not going to resign Will Fuller? Yeah, I think Will Fuller's gone. Oh, Will Fuller's very gone. Yeah, he's very gone. Um, I would imagine that Casario went to him with some kind of very stern conversation of because of your history and, you know, your suspensions and blah, 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 you're worth $9 million to us or whatever. When yeah. the mar- market says no matter what all that ever happens, somebody's going to pay him fourteen fifteen. And devastating, uh, you know. know. And it makes me ask, like, is the only reason why he had a good season he didn't have these hamstring issues because he was taking steroids? Like, yeah. This is never going to be okay without taking illegal drugs. So, yeah. you don't know. So, you know, pro football has him uh, uh, projected out to land with the Packers for a five year, $87.5 million deal, which is 17.5 a year. He would compliment Devontae Adams so well. That's yeah. A terrifying it, concept. With Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, oh, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah. I would love, I would love to see that. And then you know, you have Robert Tunyon under the through the middle. That's a dynamic combination. Um, you know, who knows what the Packers' offense is going to look like this next year? They have a lot of things that are about to change. Um, uh, I think they're running that. Yeah, Aaron Jones is up for a contract. Uh, yeah. you know, he's had what a thousand yard season every single season for the last yeah. So I'm not worried. Oh, we can trade him for David Johnson. Oh, yeah, except he's already a free agent. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, you can trade for free agents, right? You can do all this other stupid stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically what we did for – So uh, TVIY29 in the comments said that Aaron Wilson said Will Fuller told the Texans he didn't want to come back. Not a shock. Yeah. Not a shock at all. It it almost feels like the Texans roster is going to be probably 80% players that wouldn't have a job if the Texans hadn't signed him. 
Correct. Um, I was watching the NFL Network for I was flipping through, and they were playing the 2017 Texans versus Seahawks game, which fantastic game. Um, but I realized looking that, at that that none of those players are going to be on this next season's roster. But you know that offense, that 2017 game against Seattle, that was basically put you know Deshaun kind of re yeah. put Deshaun Watson. That entire offense will be gone. Yeah, the entire were, almost the entire defense. They were but, breaking that game down at about five o'clock this morning on here. It was really cool to sit and yeah. watch. I, I mean, think that's you, the game that, that brought Joe Kritz into the uh, into the fold as a, a bona fide. Oh Texas yeah, fan. exactly. Um, you know, you have Bruno Giacomini's gone, Nick Martin, Greg Mance, Dwayne Brown's gone. Um, I couldn't. I don't. Oh, Bruno. Yeah, Bruno had the right tackle. Um, I think Zach Fulton will be the only player. Um, Deshaun Watson's gone. Uh, I'm blanking out who we had running back. Lamar Miller. It was, it was Lamar Miller. I, I think we did. We I don't think we had Carlos Hyde. It was Lamar Miller. You know, Will Fuller will be gone. DeAndre Hopkins will be gone. That's yeah. unbearable. They're all going to be gone in a two year. That's not you know. You hear about rosters having to reload and re and change and like, but that's unbelievable. Yeah, and that's you know like one of the things I've been saying is this this team is not going to be enjoyable again until there's a change in ownership. Yeah. So e either Cal McNair is going to something's going to turn on in his brain and the light bulb will pop on and he'll he'll make some changes, or Janice will take control of the team away from him and give it to his sister who seems to be pretty sharp, or they'll just sell. Yeah. But so until that happens, it's going to be dark. Yeah. There there really isn't. A, a light at the end of the tunnel. It, I think we're still going down. Like there, oh, yeah. there are there are still things to be burnt in the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, and until you're the 1976 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's still further you can fall. Mm -hmm. So, I, I am so disappointed. It, it, it just it, it breaks your heart a little bit. Uh, but I feel like hey, let's. Yeah. We can pivot to happier because every, everyone's upset. Let's pivot to something positive. Um, I want to see. I want to talk about who your favorite. Uh, we can talk about favorite moments. Um, if anyone has anything in the comments, can always hear what they have to say. Um, I guess maybe I'll throw it this way. What are three quick steps that you think the Texans can take in the next before the season starts to improve their their situation? that don't have to do with the, changing the front office? Uh, finding out what in the world it would take to get Deshaun Watson happy and doing it. I don't know that that's possible, but you know, this whole, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm just going to put up this brick wall of we're not trading you and you, you signed the contract. That's not going to get anybody anywhere. So figuring out what that is would be huge. I think second would be, you know, you said don't make any changes in the front office, but absolutely minimize Jack Easterby's front-facing persona. Mm -hmm. You know, make, get it so that people think he's gone, whether he is or not. He can still do his goofy things in the background, but get his name out of the press. Yeah. And, and I think thirdly, it would be bring in an exciting defensive playmaker. Somebody that we can rally around in the absence of J.J. Watt. I think I think that's a very good three, uh, especially the, the last one actually sounds true because you have to have a new face to the organization. Yeah, there has to be someone the players can 
you know, the, the players and the team can or yeah. fans can rally themselves around because otherwise, you know, why, why do I watch? Why do I come to the game? If I don't yeah. know any of the players, I don't recognize, I'm not going to buy their Jersey. You know, there's, there's no conceivable way. Yeah. And you, you need somebody who's going to take charge in the locker room. You know, you don't yeah. have a Brian Cushing anymore or a JJ Watt or, you know, you bring in and this probably would never happen, but like a Khalil Mack or somebody whose reputation immediately sits him as a leader on the team. You know, there's no reason that we would bring in like a Shaq Barrett. Um, you know, he's going to be too expensive, but you know, bring in me, if you could bring in like a Leonard Williams, you're right back at you know, like into where we started. Yeah. Leonard or Von Williams. Miller or somebody, somebody Some, with a big name, even somebody, you know, Patrick Peterson, he's at the tail end of his career, but imagine know. if they brought back Clowney. Yeah. You know, I feel like that would be a good thing for all the fans. They go, if we get him back, you know, he ran his course. Clowney's not coming back to Houston. No. He would laugh. Yeah. But you know, could be an interesting ad if he doesn't stay with his current team is let's say they do trade DeAndre Hopkins. How would you bring someone back that is of equal leadership quality? A semi some like familiar a similar playing type and has a winning pedigree. Cam Newton. Maybe, maybe not. He didn't seem to uh, fare too well in Patriots North, so I don't know that he would fare too well in Patriots South either. Uh, he was singing about Bill Belichick's praises recently. Um, so oh, that's good. I know, but and I think that if this organization can rally around Cam Newton. It would stop a lot of the bleeding. You know, players would want to come here. Uh, it, it would it would be a great idea. Um, I think that he could really add consistency, even though a lot of people think he's inconsistent. But from a locker room standpoint, you know, he can rally people around like one concept. I think that he would be a guy that that could place a band aid over all the, the ills that have occurred so far. Yeah, one of the the trade things I tossed out there was to trade the Vikings for Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins, he already has deep roots in Houston. Um, he's very connected in the Houston community. Oh, no. he, Minnesota's up and down, whether they like him, don't like him. Over the, the last eight games of last season, he outperformed every quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson in every meaningful category. So you bring a guy like that in, he clearly takes command of the locker room. He clearly has the charisma to do something like that. You you lose Deshaun Watson, obviously, which is just a foregone conclusion. It's just a matter of time before yeah, it happens. He's gone. But then you bring in a quarterback who is actually a veteran who has made a name for himself, who can take control and who can play the the Easterby game of, you know what, I'm gonna act like I'm a culture fit while I still get out there and get fiery and and ask people if they like that while we win. Ugh. Let's see, what other free agents am I looking at? Um, I could see them taking um, defensive end to Danico Autry, who played for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, we've had so many occurrences where uh, other teams from the AFC South have taken our talent. Um, Danico Autry is a great player. Um, he sets the edge better than almost anyone else in the a AFC South. Uh, a really great uh, great asset for the defensive line. Um, someone who could also kind of like in in begin to encourage, re-encourage that Colts rivalry. What are your thoughts on Danico? That would be awesome. You know, and, and somebody in the comments just made a, a good point 
I think it was Arthur Foxake. The only way we get free agents is to overpay them by levels of magnitude. Of course. Yeah. You know? Well, so, I mean, the free agent market is going mm -hmm. to happen where you're yeah. going to overpay. That is and you're going to have to leverage the whole, you know, Texas has a lower tax burden and all those kinds of things that, that it requires to get, you know, some players, it's just dollars and cents, no matter what, they don't care where they play. Yep. Some um, players aren't, you know, they would much rather make a crap ton of money than go um, win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You're going to see players come in that have their agents have a good relationship with Houston and so that they're going to be able to communicate pretty clearly yeah. because Houston isn't one going to bring on, bring in players that they have no relationship with. And then you're also going to see players who are trying to get theirs now, uh, which is not the mentality you want to bring into the organization. But those are players who are like, I want to get mine. I want to get all of mine and I'm going to get out. I don't care if we win or lose. I'm here to yeah. bring money in. Yeah. Uh, you know, not a winning mentality. However, those players don't realize what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And I, I think the, you know, to show my age, Chester McLaughlin, a former Oakland Raider, kind of created that whole way of thinking that pervades the NFL players to some extent these days, where I'm just here to get paid. And once I have my paycheck, I'm just going to come to work and that's that. I'm not going to go here so we don't get fined. Yeah, I'm here so I don't get fined. You're paying me, and I'm showing up and doing what the contract tells me to do. And I think you're right that the Texans are going to see a fair bit of players like that. There's going to be a lot more, you know, post-press game explosions of guys going, you know, everybody needs to do their job. You know, it, it's going to get a lot worse. Without having yeah, yeah. a J.J. Watt in the locker room, without having a Deshaun Watson in the lo locker room, you know, an Andre Johnson on staff, all those guys that are, you know, you want to look up to those guys. You want to follow them. They're great leaders of men and they're all gone. So. Yeah. You're going to see, you're seeing a turnover of not only talent, but leadership. And that is exact. That's going to exasperate the issue. Uh, you know, if you don't have someone that you know, steers the ship in the pro, like, you know, in the front office and behind the scenes in the locker room, I don't know where we're going. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see who uh, Nick Casario did the most deals with agent wise when he was in new England and then turn oh. around and filter through who are all those, you know, which, who do those agents uh, represent right now in the free agent market? And I bet you could probably extrapolate at least 60% of them to be courted by the Texans. You know, versus the, you know, whoever Dwayne Brown's agent is, let's yeah. all his clients away, you know. Yeah, I think that that relationship with the agent is something we never see. Um, the NFL doesn't want it to be shown, you know, focus on the players. But it is such a part of the conversation because, yeah. you know, every time a GM changes, you're going to bring in a whole new set of contacts, a whole new set of people that they've worked with. Uh, and that changes the tap of talent that we'll be able to get in. Now, if you're a lowly agent that has five players, you're not going to get what you want. You're not yeah. going to get in conversation with players of what you want. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, the one that's representing, you know, 10 of the 20 biggest names in the NFL, you're going to get your side and you're going to get negotiating power and you're going to get all those things. If you're the guy that's representing the Jason Brits of the world, then, you know, the only way you're going to get your client totally paid is to come to a team like the Texans. Exactly. Mike, do you want to take a quick second and plug our charities? Absolutely. 
So for those who don't know, we're doing this for the benefit of the Cancer Research Institute, the Deshaun Watson Foundation, and the J.J. Watt Foundation. If you have it in your heart and in your wallet, we would love to see you donate to those foundations. Uh, each one of them is doing amazing work in the world, and anything we can do to draw some light out of this Texas storm right now is a great thing. So thank you for your donations, your kindness, and helping them fight the good fight. Yes, please donate. Um, it was all part of the same community. I think that would be fantastic. I know I'm going to be donating right after I hang up um, and grab some coffee. But um, I'm going to close, so I know we have, we have some time left. Uh, with We can continue to, to review the comments, but uh, let me ask this. Do you have a favorite do you where where would you say the team has peaked? Give me give me the peak of the Houston Texans over the last five years. The last five years, probably yep. exactly five years and one minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go back the last ten years? JJ Watt's interception against the Bengals in the playoffs. I of think course, that was, yeah, that was the height for this team. That was the greatest moment in Texans history. That was. The future was so bright right then and there. Everybody could suddenly envision this team as a Super Bowl champion. JJ's standing there. You could easily do a meme where you swap the ball out with a Lombardi trophy and trophy, and it was totally believable. Um, man, yeah. that, was just, that was just good stuff. That was a fun year. Um, yeah. I I was there. Um, I my dad. We have we have season tickets, and for some reason, we had we were gifted uh, sideline passes before the game. And I got to sit, uh, stand next to Joel Dreesen for like two seconds. It's like, you are not a human. That's that guy cool. was massive. And he was at least six, seven, like he massive. Guy. He wasn't, but like he, you see with those pads on and oh, he yeah. was a different human. Um, yeah. I, I feel like in the last four to five years, I mean, it, it's hard not to say the Kansas City Chiefs game because there was a moment in time, there was a wrinkle in time when we were the best offense on the field and be the best defense, and we were, we were going to go to Super Bowl. There was a re- – um, when I was watching, listening to that game, I was coming back from Tahoe, uh, coming down the Bay Bridge. I, I live in San Francisco, and I am surrounded by people who are drunkenly half asleep, including the, probably the driver, and I am just grabbing on, like, shaking the entire car. Uh, the second – I think so. I, the second I step out of the car – Everything falls apart. I blame myself for the entire Texans collapse because of it. <laughs> uh, so the, so what, what, what's your favorite moment of the last five years? What do you think was the pinnacle? Um, I would say that, um, honestly, maybe the 2019 game one of, you know, when we played the, the Saints, we did lose, but we saw what this offense could be. Uh, that battle with Drew Brees, you know, that throw down the middle to Kenny Stills, you saw what this team could be offensively. Uh, you know, there was only a couple other times where that occurred, but that was one of those moments where you're like, okay, we have talent and we've got ballers. Yeah. Yeah, that and uh, finally beating the Patriots. I think yep. that, that game was a major highlight. Um, that crazy backyard pitch and catch between Deshaun and DeAndre Hopkins, that was one of the coolest Texans plays I've ever seen. That was so much fun. Um, you know, but, but yeah. When you have those wrinkles of creativity, it just adds so much to the offense. And it adds so much to the game. Like I think it's just so val- valuable. Yeah, and you know, to, 
to take advantage of guys like that. Like, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. The uh, former Ohio State quarterback that we had. Braxton Miller. Yeah. So I so, reached out to Braxton Miller to come on the this podcast. He did not respond. Y'all should DM Braxton Miller. Tell him he should have joined the podcast. Yeah, that guy, I mean, the possibilities of having him in the backfield, having Deshaun Watts in the backfield, having DeAndre Hopkins, you know, in the slot or something, you, you could have put a bunch of guys on the field and just done some crazy stuff. But instead, let's let's put Braxton Miller in the backfield and hand him the ball and expect him to run up the gut. Exactly. Yeah. Did um did I ever tell you why I, I don't put my last name on the pod or on the on the site? No. So it goes back to Braxton Miller. Uh, when I was a senior in college, uh, I my industry is very late to getting kids in college their first job. So what happens is, you know, you wait and you wait and you wait. Uh, you know, it was, it, I got into May before I knew I was going to get an offer. I was going to hopefully get an offer. But uh, so I'm starting to write it for the Texans. It's about three, four months in. And um, I write an, I write a piece about how Tyler Irvin will make the team. Do you remember Tyler Irvin? Oh yeah, yeah. Running back, he now plays. You know, I think his last season was for Green Bay. Uh, was going to make the team, and Braxton Miller's not, which o- occurred. And um, I wrote the piece, and one of the places I had written, I, I would had applied for for a job. Uh, someone had shown that person that office the the article, he reaches out to me on LinkedIn and says like, Oh, I, I would never support someone working at a company that writes such slander, like that has like such baseless facts. So he reached out to me and like, at this point, you know, I'm a couple months in writing. I don't have a job like ready. And I, I it gets like, gets to me. And so like, I change everything on, like I, I take the last name off. I'm like, no, no one's threatened my job like out of college because I, and what's, what's crazy is that, he grew up with Braxton. He went to Ohio State with Braxton. His entire like LinkedIn account and Facebook accounts were about Braxton Miller. It was like so I basically insulted like his best friend from like oh. childhood. So yeah, yeah, you win some battles, you lose some battles. Yeah. Yeah, for me the the reason I do use my real name is I didn't realize I had the option not to, and then I put a couple <laughs> articles up and I was like, okay, I Oops. guess this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, that's one of those yeah, that's that's a generational thing. <laughs> Uh, too funny. Uh, well, I it, it's unfortunate the last time. Uh, so I've been in the Bay Area ever since. You know, basically, when we met Sean Watson, um, mm-hmm. I was leaving to San Francisco. Yeah, five yeah, days we were, later, we were all excited about your new job. And I was so terrified. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've since moved on. I'm still in the Bay Area. Uh, I'm working at a new company. Um, they're actually based in Oakland, and they are right off the ferry. So I'll be taking the ferry to work, which is one of the more posh things I've ever said in my life. Um, but very yeah, excited but you're, about it. You're, you're taking it into Oakland, so there's just so much posh you can have. Oh, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is it is yeah. gentrifying for the good and the bad. Um, yeah. I'm right next to Marshawn Lynch's store. So his oh, Beast cool. Mode uh, store. I'm going to go grab myself some Beast Mode stuff, see if he's willing to do a Texans collab. That's cool. Yeah, you know, and you know, I've said it before. I grew up a Raider fan, so you know, to me, Oakland, L.A., all that—that's really cool. I'd love to get out to see the the new Vegas, you know, Al oh, Davis yeah. monument. Uh, I went really to, cool. I went to a Raiders game two seasons ago. They played the uh, they played the Colts, and mm-hmm. my dad and I just wore mm-hmm. gray. Like we're not gonna we're not putting on any other colors. We just wore gray. 
Uh, that was the Mo Alley Cox one-handed touchdown catch. That is now famous. Um, he just like yeeted that ball. Um, fantastic play. I uh, that stadium is hideous. Mm. Um, if you ever want to be depressed before walking into a football game, go to a Raiders game. Oh um, yeah, it is one of the grossest stadiums. And then just like there's everything below the stadium is not like well kept, and, and it makes sense why they all left. Yeah, the first time I saw him was in the L.A. Coliseum, and that place smells like the inside of a six-month-old beer can. Because it is. Because it is. And then I have seen them in the Baltimore Memorial Coliseum, which smells the same but mix in a nice odor of fragrant piss. And uh, where else have I seen them? I got to see them in Sun Devil Stadium in in Phoenix, which was really funny. Um the Sun Devil Stadium is basically a giant horseshoe with like almost like a high school bleacher at one end at the end zone. The entire horseshoe was silver and black, and the little high school bleacher was red and white with Cardinal fans. So the, the Raiders come out, and that was when they had Rich Gannon and Tim Brown and uh, Jerry Rice, and they utterly wow. destroyed the Cardinals. So the next day, they interview, they're interviewing Rich Gannon, and they said, well, what did you think of that game? And he goes, I, you know, that was crazy thing. That's the first time I ever played a home game in somebody else's stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of home games, someone else's stadium, I went to the, the Chargers game, the Texans-Chargers game, uh, where, you know, Keenan Allen torched us. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was Trent, not Trent Williams. Um, there he who, is. Oh, there he is. What's up? What's going on? Uh, y'all, you keep saying what you're saying, Kenneth. Just oh, listening. yeah. So speaking of like home games that away teams, I went to the Chargers game. Uh, so, you know, there were definitely more Texans fans in that L.A. soccer stadium than there were Chargers fans. Um, I did see the former Olympic gymnast there, which was badass. She was like um, she was on like the Fab Five team. So the one so not this past four, but the one before it. Um, and she was like someone I always had a crush on because we're the same age. I was like, yeah. <gasps> Yeah, I, I was, I was, she was with a bunch of girls. I was with my dad. I was like, I, I can't, make, like, I want to make this happen because it's never going to happen again. Um, we also ran into Don Cheadle, which was sweet. I, my, my dad opened the, Don Cheadle opened the door at some restaurant for my dad and he just walked through. <laughs> just complete oblivion. Yeah, that's uh, the Texans do play the San Francisco 49ers. And but Levi Stadium is also a dumpster fire, so there's no point of going to that stadium. Yeah, it's also not in, in San Francisco. It's it's in San. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jose, 